Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're closing in on Super Bowl Sunday here on Fantasy Sports Today. A lot of previewing to get to some Super Bowl propositions and some potential ways that can help you get an advantage. But first and foremost, we focus on a little baseball as Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. Toward the end zone. It is Seattle's going to the Super Bowl. Fires up the middle. Pass is caught by Owens. Owens made the catch. Oh, <laughs> Good afternoon. Welcome in Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe with you here today on this Thursday, January 30th, 2020. Follow Joe on Twitter at JoePizzaPia17. Follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Follow Sean Guastamacchia and Chris Pavona as well on Twitter. They do a great job helping out this show. We are here every day for two hours from noon to two Eastern, although the show is moving starting Monday to 11 a.m. So make sure you uh, pop on my Twitter. I'll have more about that as the week goes on. Uh, but we got the Super Bowl coming up this Sunday. Very exciting. My Little League baseball draft is tonight. Very exciting for that. And for the Houston Astros, Joe, they made a key decision, which I don't know if it'll affect fantasy. Kind of interesting to see if it will or not. But Dusty Baker, as first reported by Bob Nightingale a couple days ago, and was met with a little skepticism, by the way, but ended up being valid and true, will take over as manager of the Houston Astros, according to report. It's a one-year deal for this year and an option for 2021. A lot of fun little stories with Dusty Baker, Joe. Of course, he was with the Washington Nationals. So on the other side of the spring training complex, now he's with the Houston Astros. He'll also get to manage the all-star team because the Astros won the American League. And on top of that, 
he goes home to manage that all-star game in his place where he made a lot of his uh, bread in baseball with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So a really interesting story, but I don't know. Does this affect fantasy at all this year? Kind of curious your thoughts. I actually do think it has some ripple effects here. The first one is I think Dusty Baker is the right personality to take over this situation. He's been around the block. He's a guy that's also kind of more of an old school baseball guy. So in terms of a little bit of an integrity and all that, I think that works. I think that when they go to spring training, as I said on yesterday's show, they're going to have to deal with this for a few days. And Dusty's the right personality because the best thing he could say is, hey, I wasn't here. But you know what? I'm here now. And all I could do is get us to win baseball games. And that's the perfect that's the perfect message, I think, to have. I think messaging is very important. So from number one, from the get go. That, I think, is going to have a positive effect on these players. I believe these players are going to be highly motivated anyway because the Astros are a very talented group and there's a stigma around them now that they have created. It's self-inflicted stigma that now they have to basically prove that they are as good as a championship team. And, And they are and they will be. The one thing with Dusty Baker, too, is to keep in mind, he's also an old school manager in the sense that he doesn't care as much about metrics. So you might see a little bit more of a green light for some stolen bases for guys like Altuve and Springer again. So that could be a very, very positive boom for their fantasy value. I'm not saying they're you know, still 40 bases, but, you know, maybe if a guy was stealing 10, 15, maybe it does get into the 20s. So I think that's a possibility, a little bit more of aggressive style. Uh, you're also going to see some of the younger pitchers taxed. I mean, Verlander already goes deep into games. Granky won't be taken out in the sixth inning. I can tell you that much. So it's a little bit more of a positive there. Uh, if I was a Lance McCullers owner, I'd be a little worried right now because you don't know Dusty likes to uh, say, go out there, son, and go pitch. And I don't know if that's the best for a lot of these guys. So the back end of the rotation, that's a negative fantasy impact, in my opinion, potentially. But I think from uh, from the overall offensive standpoint and from the overall managerial messaging standpoint, I do think they got the right guy. And I, and I hope he succeeds with them. And I'd love to see Dusty get a ring as a manager. I think that would be super cool. But uh, do you have any negative uh, opinions about Dusty Baker taking over this job? Or is there no. a downside, in your opinion? No, it's a one-year deal, essentially. And, and the club basically is in an emergency situation and in a crisis situation. And he's a good guy to have in terms of a crisis. I mean, if he but- wins, does he get an extension? I don't think so. I think he'll really? get that, get, he'll if get he that option. If he wins the World Series, you don't think they go, let's go another year with Dusty and see what maybe, happens? Maybe. I think so. But that's the only way that it would happen. Well, what, the last time this situation like this happened was the, it, reminiscent of, of like a weird thing where an old manager came in and then kind of fixed it was Blackjack McKeon, right? Down uh, back in the day with the Marlins. Am I correct? Similar kind of feel where the old school guy comes in and all of a sudden they have success and it's very uh, surprising. Yeah, it was during the year. Yeah, it was right. During, during, during the year. year. Correct. Correct. During the year. But still, then they went out and had, they won a World Series. They didn't can him the next year. Uh, no, they, they he came back for 2014, and in 2015, he retired. Right. So 2016, or I'm sorry, 2003, he won the World yeah, Series. Yeah. 2004, he came back. In 2005, he retired. carrying the one. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, Girardi took over in 06, if I'm not mistaken. Jack he came back. manager of the year, and then he got fired. <laughs> he got fired, he got fired. And then Jack came back again in uh 2008 or 2009 oh gosh that's right i forgot about it you did come back another time yeah it didn't really go well like i I think the question you didn't throw that qualifier you said what if he wins do they extend him well if he wins i don't think they extend him now if you you're throwing now the world series that's a different story but just winning has not been enough to keep dusty baker around in any of the last two gigs he was with so you know winning and winning i'll give you scenarios so you already said world series yes what if he wins the world series okay given what if he makes the world series he'll get an extension through 2022 Makes the playoffs, but loses no, in no, the nothing. ALCS. Nothing. nothing. No. Okay. No, that's the expectation, I think, for this team. Well, considering what the cloud around them, I think that would be a pretty good achievement. It would, anyway. it would be a success story for this year, but I still believe that that's the expectation. Fair enough. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know what else we could go by. I mean, the Vegas numbers in the 90s, right? So if they win in the 90s, did they really shock the world? Like, I, I don't think so. Look, I like the guy a lot. I've gotten to know him, too, through the years. 
but uh, it, it also depends on what general manager they bring in, too. They kind of did this backwards. They hired the manager first. Now they're going to hire a general manager. And whoever that GM is, by the way, is probably going to be here a while. I think that's why this is going to take a little bit of time. Well, that's the more important that. job right now. I think they're going to tear everything down in a year or two. I don't know. That's the feeling that, that I could be the case, but you want to get the right guy to do that. And I think probably that's, so. that's you take a longer time. The manager you need, you're going to spring training in a couple days, oh, <laughs> like not weeks, yeah. days, basically. So you have to get the manager in place. The GM, that's more important. You need to really do your homework here and bring in somebody that's above board and bring in somebody that you think can handle a potential teardown if it does come to that, like you said, because, and, and look, I don't know how many, I'm sure a lot of people just want the job because if you take this job and you can be successful considering what they have, right, of course you want the job, but it is going to be a tough gig because of the draft pick situation now. So that is, it's, it's a little daunting. So there is, but it don't matter. There's only a certain amount of these jobs. I know that's what everybody wants it, but it's, it's certainly already, oh, it's not going to be easy for sure. Uh, By the way, I don't know if you noticed this yesterday and certainly, you know, this is a, you know, another interesting, you know, sidebar is that, and now the athletic did a whole story on it this morning how uh, this fan went back to 2017. I don't know if you saw this and posted every single uh, amount of hitting of the garbage cans that they did uh, with every single player and what percentage of his at-bats had the garbage can hits too. Oh, we have a garbage can stat? That's so cool. I love deep stats. Yeah, yeah. You can go back and take a look. It's posted there. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez looks like the main one that was... Um, well, Marwin Gonzalez probably needed more help the most. That so. was doing it. But but what's interesting is that it shows the percentages of how many times they were at-bat and the garbage cans hit but but it's just as damning as the times that they weren't hit because in the times that they weren't hit, that was when a fastball was coming. So that's right. essentially telling you that as well. Mike Fulton, which of the Braves popped in on that on the thread was was explaining everything. I mean, it's just really fascinating to see. Yeah. It's um, the Guoba, the garbage, uh, the garbage. It is. Base it is. And, and, and again, according to this now, again, this is this is what this person reported. And it seems to be being at least verified by people who are smarter than me. It seems like Marwin Gonzalez, Springer, and Bregman were at the top as far as the ones. And, you know, Guriel, there were some others that used it quite a bit. Mariznik, based on the percentages of at-bats that he had. And the least was actually Altuve. Yeah, the least mm-hmm. was actually Altuve at the bottom. But again, it's something that you can go back and check for yourselves. Um, real quick here, real quick, before we hit the break. Uh, Chris Bryant loses his grievance with the Cubs. He'll now have two years of control. Gives the Cubs a little bit more leverage in terms of a trade. Makes another team have to give up more to trade for Chris Bryant. I think I still think there's a chance that this happens, although it seems like a 50-50 proposition at this point. I would put it 60-40 that he goes. I think that the whole thing just leaves a sour taste in his mouth, and I think the Cubs are happy because now they can get more for him, and I think another team will be happy to acquire him. And there's two teams in the National League East that could really use a third base slash outfield guy, and I think Bryant fits that bill perfectly. I think one of them is going to cash in sooner than later and try to make a run at him. And those teams are? The, the Nationals and the Braves? Neither. I, I, I don't know. If you gave up Keyboom, I think you can get Chris Bryant. The Philadelphia Phillies will have Chris Bryant at third base on opening You day. love this Phillies narrative. I love it. I love it. Not a narrative on this Just one. him and Bryce Harper are pals. If everybody stay, was pals, stay, wouldn't Arenado and Goldschmidt be together by now? Stay tuned. Stay tuned on that Okay. One. Breaking news. This is not just coming from an opinion on this one. Sports Grizz Craig Mish reports. <laughs> All right. We'll be back with the opening drive. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. 
Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down and too many people fall victim to the picture perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First Play from Scrimmage. The Opening Drive. The first play of the game. Welcome back. It's the opening drive. It's January 30th, 2020. Wouldn't you know that there's actually a Super Bowl being played on Sunday? Things picking up here a little bit in South Florida, but of course, it's uh, still this this uh, tragic story that continues. And as it should, honestly, this is overshadowing everything. And to this point, it's uh, it's a world story. It's as big as any story that we've seen, I mean, sports news really in a decade. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know where you'd put it up there, but it is really tragic. And uh, yesterday we got another dose of that as Kobe Bryant, who passed away, of course, in that tragic uh, helicopter accident over the weekend. Uh, His wife, Vanessa Bryant, unlocked her Instagram yesterday and posted a very heartfelt message. uh, Very difficult to read for sure. And it just seems like, Joe, every day there's some new story or some new thing that we're seeing about this. And um, it has to be one of the hardest things I can ever imagine anybody doing. I'm I'm hoping that she had some help with this. And, you know, certainly... uh, uh, look, you know, there's going to be donations toward his foundation and towards the other families who perished also. And uh, it just uh, it's just really sad. I'm waiting to wake up and not go on social media or not go on the Internet and have this kind of you know put to rest. But I can understand why it's not. It's just, you know, it's it, it, you know, I look at it from a, you know, a human point of view, of course, like everybody else. But I also look at things from a media point of view. And I just simply don't ever remember anything like this happening. 
No, it's it's certainly unique, but we're also living in an age of media that is the ultimate age of media. So I think that had something like this happened, you know, in a different uh, to a different player for a different time that we had this level of Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and the Internet to what it's become now. And, and also the fact that the NBA is, is a global game. I, I feel like the NBA is a much more global game than than uh, than baseball is. Um I, I think it's more of a global game as well, you could say, than professional football, although the NFL has made great strides because I know a ton of people in the UK very into it, but and, and, and other countries as well in different European uh, areas. But basketball is that one thing where, you know, there's basketball in Italy, there's basketball in China, there's basketball. You know, basketball is a world game, and the NBA has done a very good job of promoting it as the world game. And between the Olympics and the traveling and all that stuff, Kobe Bryant was more of a global personality, and I think that's why you're seeing it the sustainability of the grieving, I guess, is the best way to put it. And I think that's really because the NBA happens to have a unique product in that sense. And um, they did a very good job of, of growing that. And LeBron's another one who's a, a global super. You know, LeBron James goes anywhere in the world. He's recognized. I don't think if Aaron Rodgers goes anywhere in the world, he's recognized. I really don't. Maybe Tom Brady, <laughs> maybe. But that's also because he's been around for so long. But wouldn't you agree that part of the reason why this is continuing to kind of eat up the media cycle is because the NBA is not like just an American sport in that sense? Yeah, I mean, there's, there, it's not even an argument. I think that um, you know, Shaquille O'Neal is still one of the most visible people. Well, he's also 7'3", so yeah. yeah. yeah no, <laughs> it's hard for Shaq I, to go anywhere and not get noticed, but yeah, I just, you're right. I, I think, you know, in, in my lifetime of, of, you know, covering sports in the last like 20 years, I mean, the things that I remember the most as far as these things where I remembered where I was and I remember that it happened, uh, you know, and, and people are I've been discussing this a lot with people. Michael Jackson's death was one that I remember and I remember everything surrounding it, too, and just how how uh, crazy that was and what a tragedy that was. When Princess Diana passed away, I remember that one, too. It wasn't as big for us here in the States, but still it was like a huge, huge story. Of course, uh, you know, 9-11 is the number one of all time in terms of. Uh, horrible tragedies and the worst thing that's ever happened but this is this is definitely up there as far as that goes and i know for people who are listening to the show it sounds like we've been talking about this every day uh this week but listen if this is what is being covered this is what has to be covered uh shaquille o'neal will will uh will still have his party this weekend he posted yesterday here in in uh south beach and uh he's going to donate all of the party money to the mamba foundation which is obviously great and uh look he's able to create something positive out of this joe and yeah, he said that he had thought about canceling the party given everything that's happened, but Kobe would want them to go on. And now, uh, fortunately, the families uh, will make some extra money off of these parties. Yeah, I think that's the right thing to do. I know there was some talk we were talking about yesterday, whether or not they would end up canceling this. And I think that doing it is the right thing and, and doing something good out of it. And let's give to foundations and let's help people and continue to take positives out of a horribly negative situation. So good job by Shaq there. I think it was the right thing to do. And I, I still agree, you know, I know a lot of people disagree with this, but I still think that it was the right thing to do to play the games on Sunday, too. I think that's the best way to honor a player, especially in the scenario they were in, which was a Sunday where everybody's practically at the arena already. You might as well go ahead, play the games as difficult as that was for many players and, and many organizations and many people within organizations to do. Uh, I think it was the right thing to do. And let's continue to celebrate the life and and the imperfections, uh, obviously. There's... You know, I know that's been going around, too, and I don't want to get into too much of the negative, but, you know, it's judging people on their in their worst and judging people in their best is not the easiest thing to do. So just kind of judge on what you saw the most of, I guess. I didn't know Kobe Bryant personally. Um, uh, it was an era of the NBA. I didn't wasn't into nearly as much as in my youth. But clearly, this has been a, a very impactful thing for a lot of people, and you can't take that away from them. 
All right, now to uh, a much lighter story. Not the best segue of stories. Mm. I don't know how this happened, but uh, I'm gonna we'll go with it anyway. Uh, this is an I know how this story. happened. You did it. It's, it's you. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it, it really a really funny story. I thought here. Uh, this I read on Yahoo. I wanted to bring it to the air. A running joke that is in common households: the dad seems to be how long it takes him to use the bathroom. The scene is the dad stands up, phone in hand, heads to the toilet. No one will say it, but everyone knows dad will be gone for a good 30 minutes. We've seen this scene play out on TV. Maybe it happens in our own lives. And then there was a viral Reddit thread last week that opened up the discussion, Joe, on why dads take so long to poop. And as it turns out, of course, the reason why the dads, in some cases, do take that long to poop has nothing to do with anything medically. It's that they're hiding in the bathroom, Joe. And hiding away from their families for 25, 30, 45 minutes at a time. Uh, one of the people in the thread commented that she turned the Wi-Fi off. And that got the dad out of the bathroom a lot faster. So I would ask you this, Joe. What is your average time that you would say if you were doing a Super Bowl poop prop in the bathroom? Is it over <laughs> or under 10 minutes? Nine and a half the minutes. The true Super Bowl. Uh, I'm going to go. Well, if it's during the game, it's certainly under the nine and a half. Dude, I no, not a game. game. Just like oh. you know, regular. Which is my own personal. Super yeah, this Bowl. has nothing to do. Yeah. No, it's it's way under nine and a half minutes. Good um, to hear. I have I have two small children and there's no quarter. The, the bathroom is the only place you hope to get any sort of quarter for yourself and any sort of time to yourself when you have two small children. And as soon as I go into a bathroom anywhere, daddy, daddy. Daddy, it's yep. like Sheldon from Big Bang Theory all the time, every time. And I'm like, I just I was just with you. What could possibly happen in the last 30 seconds? And all of a sudden you need my attention. And they're they're big on sliding things under the door. You know, uh, it's like, hey, look at this. I, I, I drew this or whatever. It's like, come on, man. So, yes, I get why people try to stay in there. I do, but it doesn't work. So I've, I've given up long ago on that. OK. All right. Yeah, my, my number's under nine and a half minutes also as well, but I totally get that. Uh, do your kids want to have conversations with you through the door? Mine always want to have conversations um, with me. And I'm like, what no, are you doing not, here? Not, not, they, it's not that they want to give me the privacy, but I, I can't say that that's happened. I will say that yesterday, uh, during my shower, my son kept coming in and asking me questions about the iPad, and like, he couldn't figure this out and that out. And I'm like, look, I'll be out in like five minutes. But no, within the, uh, you know, we have a lot of distractions in the house, you know, different things that, that keep them busy at least. So, um, but anyway, I can understand the the twenty five minute sentiment. Forty five minutes, though, man, my gosh, like you're really hiding from your wife. So that's fine. Uh, all right, finally, uh, Ron Wolf, the former general manager of the Green Bay Packers, who I have a chance to see every single spring training. This guy goes to every single St. Louis Cardinal spring training game, Joe. Every single one. See him every single year. All twenty games. Amazing. Lives in Jupiter. Uh, but goes off on the Cleveland Browns. Goes off on analytics. Goes off on the fact that his son is no longer there. What do you think, Joe? Old man yelling at the cloud here, or do we hold uh, Ron Wolf into some uh, high ground here because of what he's saying? Um, maybe a bit of both. You know, sometimes there's sometimes there's great wisdom in the crazy old man, but uh, I mean, Ron Wolf certainly knows what he's talking about. Certainly has enough of a street cred, I think, and enough of a resume. All of famer. Yeah, I mean, Ron Wolf is no slouch. I mean, between the Packers and other organizations he's worked for, I mean, you know, this was uh, one of the best. I mean, Ron Wolf wasn't just at the Packers too. I'm trying to remember where he was before at the top. Raiders. Of was it the Raiders? Is that where he was? Yeah, you're right. And, and I mean, look, I think analytics has their place in sports. But again, I, I always feel like we're missing out on the These aren't just computers. These are people. OK, they're not just statistics. They're human beings. And there's a lot more that goes into this. And, and just look at the Patriots. Look at what they've done with lesser talent and making sure they get the most out of those and the kind of people that they try at least to bring into that organization. It doesn't always work because every every team's got bad seeds. But they try to have less of them than some others. So I'll tell you, man, I think Ron Wolf should be listened to and heard 
and then also probably laughed at because he's a crazy old man yelling at the sky a little bit. But you know what? I think I think the point he's making is valid. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think there's definitely part of it, especially in football. Like, I, I get that analytics are a huge part of what baseball is, and apparently he's not happy with that either. I'm going to have to talk to him and, see, and get some real thoughts with that on him. But uh, with football, I would think that analytics could be part of it, but a lot less so. I mean, that's just an impact game. Like, what analytics tell you that in five seconds you got to go grab the quarterback and throw him down? Like, I mean, I don't know. Isn't that hard? Isn't that effort? I don't know. All right, uh, we'll take a quick timeout on Fantasy Sports today. We'll be back with more right after this. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you. What are your plans, Joe, for Sunday for the big game? You got the huge... Sunday? Well, Sunday I'm actually going to just be watching the game. Sunday we're premiering our baseball show on the television, so that'll be very exciting. The sports grid, Matt Stryker and I are going to be, uh, looks like, hosting a baseball show called Diamond Best together. So we're going to be doing some fantasy talk and some uh, some big, good old-fashioned baseball talk with me and Mr. Uh, professional Wrestling Announcer there. So that should be very exciting and professional wrestler as well. But I'm actually going to just watch the game at home in the giant TV. Uh, usually I'm the host of all Super Bowl parties, whether the Patriots are in it or not. Everybody tends to come to my house. However, uh, my ex happens to be a 49er fan. So wow. she asked if she could have the kids for the game. And I said, absolutely, because, you know, 49ers aren't in it nearly as much as my Patriots are. So the kids I don't have. So I'm literally going to just sit there, not have to chase anybody, worry about anybody, entertain anybody, and just watch a Super Bowl for the last time in, gosh, I don't know how long. Now, now I don't want to go too personal into this because I know it's it's uh, it's your life. But I'm an you, open book, Craig Mish. I have nothing when, to when hide. You say, well, I, I don't want to go too deep, but when you say that she, that she uh, asked, is that because it's sports and that the just assumption is that, that dad gets the girls on a sports event? No, like I have them on WWE. Sundays. That's what it is. I, I typically okay, Sunday's yeah. my Sunday's my weekend day of you know, we do like the split, you know, three, four nights a week. Okay. So, so Sundays are typically my day. So we swap the Saturday and the Sunday, you know, no big okay. deal. I just thought it had something to do specifically. Yeah, everyone gets along fine. Is, no, is, no, no, no. But I mean, that would, to a certain extent, yes, too. But no, this one in particular, it's like, no, it's fine. You know, switch around. Once now, now let me get a little more personal. <laughs> All right, Craig Mish. If, if the 49ers were to win the game and win big, you think, you know, uh, I'm just saying, you know. What, like, they become Patriot fans? No, I mean, I'll uh, become 49er fans. I mean, is that what maybe, you're maybe, maybe she becomes a Joe Pizzapia fan again, you know, just for a night. You know, I mean, I'm just no, saying. no, thanks. No, no. Good. All right. Well, I just thought, you know, rekindling of the flame. No, 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 no flame rekindling. Oh, no, no, no. I will. No. Then I then I am not rooting for the 49ers, though. Well, no, you, you're rooting for the Chiefs. <laughs> you, maybe that's why you're so on the Chiefs now. Come to think of it. Now no, it all I, makes I, sense. I was I would be on the Chiefs if it was anybody. Uh, I was on the Chiefs last year. The Chiefs and the beginning of the year, my Super Bowl prediction was Saints and Chiefs. So. I mean, I have to stay consistent. If I thought it was Saints and Chiefs and I thought the uh, the Saints were going to win and I thought the Chiefs were going to get there, I got to stick with the, the, the Chiefs now, right? 
Yeah, gotta follow through. I think I'm gonna end up taking San Francisco and lose, but I think that's what I think you're right. I think you are gonna take probably so. Yeah, probably so. (laughs) But it's a valid, valid question there. You know, not you know. This is this is easily the hardest Super Bowl that I've ever handicapped, and none are close. Easily. Now again, I haven't won in the last couple of years either. I picked the wrong teams, but uh, I don't feel so bad about the Seattle one. That's for sure. I definitely don't feel so bad about the Atlanta. I guess I just kept picking against the Patriots. Come to think, do you feel bad that you yelled at me that both teams couldn't possibly cover that huge number two weeks ago? Not they did. At all. No, not no, at you all. still feel good about that. Okay. What happens is, is that if you show me tickets of where you've actually bet them, then I apologize. And I say, dude, you are totally right. But if it's just your mouth spewing on this show, there is zero accountability for that. None. Yeah. You want to bet the games and say, Hey, Greg, look, I put $50 on it. Look, I mean, I put my money where my mouth is. I'll say, Joe, dude, you totally nailed it. But no bet. It's just talk. It's all air. Just like anything that we do on the show. It's just what air. if you're just not that into sports betting? Doesn't make a difference. You got to back you up. Just your like, to be anal- like you like to analyze the games and you actually care about yeah, it. Yeah, but it you, can't, to you, you can't. You made a career out of it. That doesn't matter. No, no. Okay. Not, not when it comes to not when it comes to picking and betting. It means nothing to come back on the show the next day and say, I told you. It means nothing. Now, uh, you, a question it, for you. Uh, you know. Oh, no. Good. Good. You asked the last one. Go ahead. No, that's it. That was it. I was just going right. to the baseball. <laughs> that's, that's why all season long, you don't ever hear me on a Monday saying, I told you this was going to happen because I don't bet the games every single week. Now, if I do bet like on the Toronto Blue Jays under their win total and I can back that up by saying here is the ticket, I think that holds a lot more validity than just throwing random picks into the air every single week. Now, look, a lot of people do it that way. And a lot of people do shows and just pick games and say, I like this and I like that. But if you have no, it's 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 doing a fantasy draft and saying my favorite pick in the draft is uh, Patrick Corbin. Joe Pizapia loves Patrick Corbin. Joe Pizapia's favorite sleeper in the black book is Patrick Corbin. And then Patrick Corbin's on the board and he takes Charlie Morton. Yeah, but I mean, that would never happen. Because well, I put my money where my mouth is well, in every draft. You know well, that. You know there, that about me. There's a difference. Well, that's the key. Well, there's what's the mm. difference in sports betting, though? I don't know. But who's the who's the who's the flex champ? Who's got the belt with two thumbs? This guy. This guy right here. One thing has nothing to do with the other. What the I'm saying is, is I'm if I like a guy, point. I'm going to say I'm draft this guy and I'm going to be the draft that guy. And if I'm right about that guy, then I'm going to okay, hoist the belt right. at the end. And that, that's that, the whole point. Right. And so if you're going to say that you made a pick and I like this team, then bet it. Money's on the line. Do it. What's the, what's the difference? Where's the belt? Where's the betting belt? There is none. It's just I, you spewing air. That's I hope it. you're. I hope you're checking the time here because I lost the time here. I, I, I don't. I'm okay, on. Good. I'm on it for this. Before one. we go into this next thing, I don't even know. I have to talk about this with you because I think you will enjoy this. And I think it's important. And I didn't put it in the show sheet, but I'm going to sneak it in here because we're already on. Just we've completely gone off the rails. Yeah. So um, I saw MLB. You know, MLB Network does those those one hour documentaries. You know, MLB presents. Yes, they did one on on uh, Dave Parker, which was terrific. Yes, weeks ago. Yes, highly recommend seeing that. I hope they put him in the Hall of Fame before he passes away, because clearly he's quite ill. And I hate when they wait too long on this stuff. It drives me crazy. But anybody, it would they did a special on the 80s Cardinals, which was a team that I hated as a kid because I was an 80s Mets fan. But to kind of relive that the Vince Coleman, Willie McGee, Lonnie Smith, Keith Hernandez Cardinals into all of that, you know, that that era of baseball that was so different. And a team like Tommy Herr had eight home runs and drove in 100 runs one year. <laughs> Just some incredible stats and incredible things of a way baseball was played with defense and getting on base, getting them over and getting them in that does not exist anymore. It was fascinating and fun. And I kind of want to watch some baseball like that again. I wish they would replay some of those classic old Cardinal games because I remember as a kid, just like you're, you're so tense. Somebody would get on. Willie McGee would get on or Vince Coleman would get on and, and going, okay, he's going to steal. What's he going to steal? Cause you knew he was going to, you know, this was a team that sold 300 bases in one year. Amazing. But uh, that brand of baseball fun. Are you interested in watching this now? Have I sold it on you? Yeah, no, I want to see those. They do a really good job. I saw Eckersley's one. I've got yeah, was a good one to know him through the years. Really like Dennis Eckersley. He's so nice. Um, one of my, that's what I hear. Big, big, big fan of Dennis Eckersley. Um, the, there was one on the Yankees last night. I think the, the extra inning or something like that. My son was watching it. 
he was he was telling me like my seven year old son was was watching it. Now we had a book report that was due. Um, side note on that uh, today. And so just coincidentally, there was a story on the Yankees and Steinbrenner. I don't remember exactly what the name of it was on MLB Network, but uh, we had just done, we had just read about Lou Gehrig. So he like all of a sudden, coincidentally, it was on and like the screen came on and my wife's like, come here, come in the room. And then so uh, he saw the just the, the vision of Yankee Stadium and asked my wife, is that Yankee Stadium? My wife was like, hey, well, how do you, what do you know about that? I can't, I don't even, and it turned out to be that. So she was super impressed. Um, but yeah, I'll have to watch those because it seems like those are really transcendent. And I just miss 80s baseball. I miss the characters. I miss the facial hair. I miss the body types that don't exist anymore. I miss the uniqueness. I feel like, you know, you look at just that Cardinal team and you had like Jack Clark, you had Willie McGee, you had Ozzie Smith, just the uniqueness of the kind of guys you had on that team. You don't have that. Everybody looks kind of, you know, you look at a major league baseball roster and they all out there. A lot of the dudes kind of look the same. They look like strong athletic guys for the most part. You get a couple wacky guys, not in the eighties, man. And they had that whack, crazy walking Andahar on the mound. Remember that lunatic? Holy cow, was that guy out of his mind? That was fun. And of course, I got into the Dankinger thing in 85. So it was basically taking it from the Whitey Herzog taking over his manager into the uh, the turning over the roster. And I had forgotten in 81 with a the strike, they actually had the best record combined in the National League. But because they had split the season in half, they were not in the playoffs of either half, which kind of sucked. And uh, they talked about trading Ted Simmons, who's now going to the Hall of Fame. They talked about Keith Hernandez and how important he was to that team, my all-time favorite player. And then because of the drug issues and stuff like that, having to trade him and how difficult that was for the team. And uh, great, it was really great. If you love 80s baseball, I think you'll appreciate it. It was narrated by John Goodman, too, which was fun. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I, I miss it, but, um, you know, I, I get it, and I get where the game has gone. What I, what I miss the most about the 80s that, that was really changed so much, and I don't think that, my son will ever get into it is uh, the baseball card collecting. You know, that was the one thing. Now my son oh, is still huge into, um, you know, getting autographs and taking pictures right. and all of that. Like, I think that he'll still be in, uh, but the idea now, and it, it is very accessible. Well, they killed it. Baseball card yeah. companies killed the they market did, by course. flooding it when yeah, there were three kinds, when there was Don Russ, Fleer, and Tops, pretty much. And then you had it score, and then upper deck. And then, you know, it just became, they flooded the market, they killed the market, and then all the value went away, which is, I still have all my all my prime ones, though. I got rid of a lot of bulk of crap, but I still have all my prime ones still there in the closet. And I'll tell you, man, you're right. That's part of it. One more note, too, before we go. Did you ever remember a player? being as bad of a hitter as Ozzie Smith was, who then became a pretty respectable hitter by the time his career was over and became no, a consistent a fair, 300 a fair hitter. point, yeah. No, right? he really, in the late part of his career, um, you became know, a 300 hitter. Away. Yeah, no, he definitely found a way. And by the way, another one of those gems, really nice guys, um, you know, Ozzie Smith too. Uh, you know, a lot of those Cardinal guys were. But yeah, um, yeah, in terms of the cards, you know, you're right. What, what really, the end of the baseball cards uh, was 1987. That was the year that really killed it. Because you're, you're right in the sense that a lot of other companies came out and that was sort of a nail in the coffin. But most people who collected cards go back to 87 because of the that was the most mass produced year of tops is also the nicest tops ever. I love that wood brown border. People I don't people hate it. People love it. I could go it either is, way. It but is those, my absolute those, favorite. Those were the it was so mass produced that the cards became worth nothing like the whole idea in the 70s. Well, were, but the funny thing was the boom of the industry was actually in the into the it was 1989, right, 1990. It was there. Was it was there. But yeah. then when they realized how many of the cards were made. They went the other way, and it was one of 50 and one of 20, and that's what it is now. And by the way, it's still very big. It's just all limited now to um, you know, having low numbers, like one of this or one of that. And I'm just mm-hmm. not into it at all. But the good news is that because of eBay and other sites, 
as an example, as we're going to go to FanFest next week, me and my son, I can just pop on eBay and buy everything that we need. And that's the one positive thing about it. Do you still have a, a fandom? Are you still a, a fan of a team? I don't know what you grew up as if you're a Yankee fan, a Mets fan. Uh, I grew up I grew up as a Yankees fan and a big fan of Reggie Jackson. OK. And, and all those World Series. That would make and, sense. You're a little bit. In the media, uh, a once I hit me. the media. Uh, it's hard when you it, it eliminated. I, get you. I hear you. it eliminated everything. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, uh, it's done. I mean, the, my, my goal is for the Marlins to do well because I have a podcast. So I, so I ha- <laughs> it's so also the goal for the Marlins. It is. But for me, it's very important. I can't sell a damn thing if they're not good. It's just right. like I, I can't go to a local business to say uh, support my podcast. What's it on the Marlins? OK, thanks for coming. Goodbye. Like mm-hmm. I need them to be OK. So, yes, I have a self interest in that. And I've and I've been transparent about that. But in terms of rooting, no. Um, there's they're you know rooting for the fantasy team and it's harder like it's harder when you cover it people don't understand I heard people say that I remember I heard Tom Verducci say that once and I was like wow you know he was he was he actually was really expounding on it, it was very good and um, I was like I wonder if that ever happened to me if I ever get to that point and I've I've been close to that point the last couple of years but. I still have my two. That's it. I still have, you know, yeah. but the Mets are harder and harder, but that's my own personal reasons. Yeah. And the last thing on this is that I grew up uh, a Raiders fan, big Raiders fan, LA, Oakland, Bo Jackson, Howie Long, sure. all, all those guys, mm-hmm. even going back. And Long then Island. I'm in the media and I'm covering a Bucks Raiders game. And it's six. It's uh, what's the score? Fifth. Is it 15, uh, 16 to 10 or, or seven? Oh, 17 to 10 with no time left. And the Bucks are playing the Raiders in Tampa. Go back and you can check this game. Uh, Hostetler is the quarterback of, <laughs> yes. of, of, of the Raiders. He brings them all the way down. They, the James they, they, they score a touchdown, tie the game, or uh, 17-16, and the dude, Lynn Elliott, was it? I don't know, the kicker. Whoever it was, yeah. missed the extra point. And I'll never forget my feeling after that was, I'm, 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 I, that's a good thing for me. That this is going to create a great story of the Bucks winning and this extra point. And that was the day that I realized that the being in the media and not rooting is more important than rooting. It was a sad day, but it was really the end of me becoming a fan. Uh, okay, we ran well over on this segment, so apologies to our producers for this one. We'll be back with a much shorter segment as we look at some ADP in the NFBC. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe back here with you. The Super Bowl is headed our way. So are fantasy baseball drafts. Really, the... uh, Interesting conversation yesterday I had with uh, the legend, Lenny Melnick. We were just talking about uh, the way baseball is covered and fantasy is covered. And uh, and Lenny's show is getting ready to come back on the air. And we were talking about it. And basically, we both agreed that it's really the day after the Super Bowl. Um, Now, he's doing it year round. I know that you're doing it and preparing year round. But really, for most people, the Super Bowl ends. It's Monday. It's that recap of the Super Bowl. And then it is that one month March until uh, spring training, until baseball starts. So looking. I love that you keep saying that. Yet the sales of Black Book do not agree with you, my friend. 
Let me tell you, people are ready. Because most people are uh, not insane, like most people. (laughs) Most novice people. A lot of people are buying the Black Book, but most casual people are not buying the Black Book. No disrespect, they're not buying anything. They're just basically, the night before the draft, they're just in. And I would say 90% of the people in the country that play fantasy baseball are drafting in March. I would, I would say that, but listen, however you make your sales is great. I mean, that's, that's good. That's good for you. I mean, listen, you've proven that having your, your, (laughs) you've proven having your material out very early works for you. But it that does. doesn't necessarily mean that I think that people are drafting right now. It doesn't I, mean I, that you I, want to I read cannot. it. Craig Mish does not like to change sports until one sport is done. That he is, is not a big fan. He that likes to, he likes his he likes to have his his meal first, then his dessert. Don't give him any intermezzo. He gets very upset. He, the whole thing it's very structured. It is. Do you like those plates too, where the food doesn't touch, like those little no, like no, the I'm divider not. plates. Is that no? no I'm you're good okay. on that. No. Okay. I the way the way it works for me <laughs> is that you're still in very hot and heavy fantasy baseball season in July, and I'm not turning the page to football until the guys are on the field in the preseason. There's just no reason I do, and, and again, especially with football, the player pool is so damn small. I mean, it is 50 guys, 60 guys. Everyone and on the radio just drives me crazy. Everyone is talking about the same guys over and over again. No, I mean, it's the same 12 quarterbacks. It's the same 20 running backs. I don't need four months to prepare for fantasy football. I don't need it. No one needs it. But if it makes sales and it makes you happy and and that's what drives the bus, do it. I mean, I'm all about hustling. Whatever it takes to make a buck in this world, I I completely endorse it, whatever that is. I can only speak for me personally. And for me personally, I could I could go and win a league. And by the way, it's head to head. There's so much luck involved. I could easily win a league preparing for a fantasy football draft two days before, just making sure I'm paying attention to the to what's going on and who's hurt and who's not. And uh, and I'd be perfectly fine. Baseball, you do need a little more time. There's a much bigger player pool. And that's why you know paying attention in March is kind of important because you have injuries and you have so many teams and you're drafting so many players. But nothing is going to happen right now outside of an injury that's going to change any my opinion on any player until they start going on the field in March. And so uh, that's why I, it's interesting uh, that you guys are, are doing this labor draft next week because so much can happen. Well, but part of that is is we're also the people that they're trusting to set the sure. ADP standard. And, yeah. and I, I am I'm very proud of being asked to be part of that personally so that's why i take it so damn seriously so even though this is a league with no money i'm taking it seriously because i think that i have a responsibility as somebody who produces this black book to go out there and go out there and do a good job and show everybody this is i'm not doing this to so people talk about me and my picks i'm doing this because i want to win that's that's and that we already talked about that a couple weeks ago which i think was a great segment by the way that needed to be done about actually winning leagues well, the difference between winning leagues and drafting, so people talk about you. The difference between click drafting and yeah, actual drafting. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah, I, 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 I don't. I mean, I, I suppose you're right. I suppose there are people that do that. Uh, although, not suppose I, there are. There are, but I don't really. 
I don't, I don't really recognize that, I guess. I don't really. I, I, well, I, I I'll pay it. more attention to that. <laughs> I'll have to pay more attention to that this year. My issue was always with the people. They don't win anything. They win nothing. <laughs> Just like it's like, I mean, you're, you're entitled to have your strong opinion and stuff. But now after 10 years of me hosting you, I guess, professional fantasy shows, you would say 10 years. I've been playing forever, playing for longer than these people have been alive who are experts, so to speak. That's for sure. I mean, I've been playing fantasy in the 80s, 90s. I don't I don't consider myself better than anybody. The track record would tell you that I am not better than anybody. But I don't say I am. <laughs> That's the difference. Is that, is that you just say that you you know and this and then you don't win anything? Like you win no leagues in ten years? Um, you got to fall on a on a win every once in a while, and to win nothing is uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of sad. But let's find out if any of these players will help you win this year, and let's take a look at the NFBC's average draft position on several players who were in the 200 to 300 range. Borderline players you would take in a 12-team mixed league. They will all be drafted in a 15-teamer and the reserve rounds, but in a 12-team league, these are borderline players. Will these players be going higher, lower, or about the same in 2020? Let's start off the segment with Renato Nunez of the Baltimore Orioles, a name that was drafted by 0.0% of people in mixed leagues last year and a very small percent of people even in American League-only leagues, I would say, as well. But when you come out and you do what Nunez did, advanced metrics be damned, somehow this guy popped off some huge numbers last year. Will he be able to repeat it, higher, lower, or the same in March? I actually think he's going to come close to it because he's hitting in the middle of this order in a good ballpark. Um, I think the ADP is actually going to be a little bit higher as well because people will start recognizing this and they'll start to value the fact that he's in the middle of this order in a very favorable ballpark. And he's not very well-known asset because, like you said, he wasn't somebody on anyone's radar last year. Uh, The trouble is he hit just 229 against right-handed pitching. That is not going to get it done. Uh, He's very good against lefties. Uh, Trouble number two is the ballpark was a big factor for him in the sense that he had 140 OPS difference between home and away. So we're talking an 842 OPS in Camden and a 700 OPS outside. So that is not great. The good news is that half of his home runs did come on the road, literally half of them. So the power is real, but any sort of peripheral stats were propped up by Camden. So I think he can come within, you know, if you're asking me to ballpark a projected look at what he's going to be, 30-90, I think we'll be asking a lot. If he gets to 25-85, that's pretty good. And if you're looking for, you know, kind of just a little bit of power at the end of a draft, I think he's a guy that's going to go up a little higher than this when we get closer to draft time. All right, let's move on uh, to Randall Grichuk of the Toronto Blue Jays, who they gave a long-term extension to. And uh, in Grichuk, after a slow start, uh, last year ended up finishing pretty strong in terms of power and in terms of home runs. Uh, the one thing that Grichuk struggles with and continues to struggle with, especially last year, was a career low on base percentage of 28 bleeping percent. I mean, that is horrible for a Major League Baseball player, but he did hit 30 home runs. He drove in 80. His ADP is down from where it was last year. He's sitting at 286 in the NFBC. Does he go higher? Does he go lower? Do you think he's about the same when March hits? I think he's about the same. Uh, and I'm not a Grichik fan. When you hit 230 and you have a 280 OBP, 
that's not good. If I can add your batting average and your OBP and it's better than your slugging percentage, that's bad. And then it's for a guy to hit 30 home runs. This is not a good look here. Uh, I I can't really get behind this and, and I get, I get that he's got some power and I do agree that the lineup is better. A lot of people will make that case for Grichuk, but I'm going to pass. And I'm also going to say his, his ADP stays the same because of the giant drain he is in both AB, a excuse me batting average and OBP. Despite the fact he's got thirty home runs, I think that's that's a big enough problem there. Plus, another guy hits just two twenty four against right handed pitching. That's not going to get it done. Yeah, I'm I'm not a huge fan of his, uh, but uh, you could probably expect twenty five thirty home runs. Everything else, as you said, is a drain. Uh, Forrest Whitley's checking in at two ninety seven in his ADP. Once upon a time, arguably the best pitching prospect in all of baseball. But boy, there have been a lot of hiccups along the way, including a suspension, including, I mean, some people thought he had the yips last year or the year before, wherever it was. He has just not been able to stay on the field and make 30 minor league starts. I've seen him now in Astros camp three years in a row. I see him pitch. I think, my gosh, this guy is going to (laughs) be the best pitcher in baseball, but it just hasn't happened. Uh, Whitley's ADP, I would say probably even a little bit lower than it was last year, 297. And with the talent that he has, there's a, certainly an open shot for him to make the club and pitch, uh, in the, on the big league team. You think that people are going to be in on him, Joe, in March, or are they going to be out on him? Is it going to be about the same, a very big wild card candidate going into the year? I know he's only 22 years old though. So I think everyone should take a big giant deep breath. He had a really good Arizona fall league performance. Uh, six starts there, three, six ERA. He struck out 32 guys, walked just nine and 25 innings. So I think that's a big positive as a step forward. Uh, I think he will get into this rotation sooner than later. And I actually think this ADP is going to rise precipitously as, as he starts to look good in spring training, I think everyone will jump back on the wagon. And the cautionary tale is, hey, don't forget uh, Lucas Giolito, another guy, top pitching prospect in baseball, left for dead, and look what we did last year. So let's not count these guys out when they're 22 years old. Yeah, uh, Gulf Coast League last year, uh, 18 walks per nine innings. No, that's, not, that's not incorrect. No, two starts. Uh, 10 ERA. Two starts. Um, yeah, four still, innings. Couldn't get it together. Uh, there may right. be some other stuff involved. But I don't either, want to either, judge anybody on four innings. So <laughs> I know, but when someone is this, you know, struggling this much, I mean, he also, if I'm not mistaken, pitching the PCL, his ERA was 12 in five starts. Yeah, it was not good, but <laughs> okay. the Arizona Fall League was, so it could be a mechanical issue. And if he's fixed the mechanical AFL issue, is nowhere near. Um, no, what, what, but what, it's what, a. But sometimes when a guy has a mechanical issue and you fix it, and you see a good run over six starts like he had there in 25 innings, I think that's that's a positive. I'm not saying I'm saying his ADP is going to go up. I don't love the fact that Dusty Baker is the manager now. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I, I I probably will end up with Whitley in one league just to take a flyer. But the only thing that you have to keep in mind with this guy, no matter what, is I think he's at 100 innings max going into the year. He just he's never even hit 100 in the big leagues or in the, excuse me, in the minor leagues. Uh, 92 was the most. And that was 2017. He's just had so many issues and injuries. You'd be looking at probably 11 starts maximum, I would say, within this year, maybe 12. All right, uh, we'll be back with the best of the first hour of fantasy sports today and then hour number two of the show, so don't go away.
DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. You've proven having your material out very early works for you. But it that does. doesn't necessarily mean that I think that people are drafting right now. It doesn't I, mean that I, you want to read it. Craig Mish does not like to change sports until one sport is done. That he is, is not a big fan. He that likes he correct. likes his he likes to have his his meal first, then his dessert. Don't give him any intermezzo. He gets very upset. He, the whole thing it's very structured. It is. Do you like those plates too, where the food doesn't touch, like those little no, like no, the I'm divider not. plates. Is that no? no? I'm You're good okay. on that. No. Okay. I the way the way it works for me <laughs> is that. You're still in very hot and heavy fantasy baseball season in July, and I'm not turning the page to football until the guys are on the field in the preseason. There's just no reason. I do, And again, especially with football, the player pool is so damn small. I mean, it is 50 guys, 60 guys. Everyone and on the radio just drives me crazy. Everyone is talking about the same guys over and over again. No, I mean, it's the same 12 quarterbacks. It's the same 20 running backs. I don't need four months to prepare for fantasy football. I don't need it. No one needs it. But if it makes sales and it makes you happy and, and that's what drives the bus, do it. I mean, I'm all about hustling. Whatever it takes to make a buck in this world, I am, I completely endorse it, whatever that is. And we'll be right back with more fantasy sports today. Hour number two, if you're listening live or if you're listening on demand, this is FNTSY Radio, Craig Mish, Fantasy Sports. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 